Welcome to the Wounds of the Faithful podcast, brought to you by DSW Ministries. Your host is singer, songwriter, speaker, and domestic violence advocate, Diana Winkler. She is passionate about helping survivors in the church heal from domestic violence and abuse and trauma. This podcast is not a substitute for professional counseling or qualified medical help. Now, here is Diana. Hello, everybody. Happy New Year to you. Do you have New Year's resolutions? Well, I don't really do New Year's resolutions. I pretty much, when I decide I want to do something, I just start doing it. I don't wait till New Year's. Nothing magical about New Year's. It's just a measurement of time. But did you know that every day is a new start? That's right. Every day you can do that weight loss program or learn a new language or read your Bible within a year. Let's see, what else do people want to do in the new year? Yeah, everybody's on a diet right now. (laughs) Except me. I went through all the diets. I'm done with diets. But I have been thinking about what to do with the new year. I'm always thinking about what can I improve on myself is a good thing. And for me right now, things I want to improve on, well, I've made great strides this year with my Bible reading, my time with the Lord. I think even so, that always can be improved, more consistent, digging into some more Bible studies. Our church is going through reading the Bible through a year together. So he'll be preaching about particular readings for that week. And then all of our Sunday school classes are going to be talking about those passages as well. So you are welcome to join us in that using the one-year Bible plan. And that is, so if you want to follow us along in that for encouragement, you can go to Red Mountain Community Church. I think it's rmcc.org. You can listen to Pastor Kyle's sermons every week as you read along in your Bible. Also, we've got the the ladies' Bible studies on Zoom, so you can sign up for that on the website as well. They have a morning one, and then they have an evening one, and I signed up for the evening. So I just offer that to you as a resource. Some people, that's one of their goals, is to read through their Bible. And a lot of people have never done that. All the things that you will discover when you read the Bible yourself, and when you have those tricky questions and those tricky passages, you can ask somebody. You can always email me. I'll be glad to help you any way I can. If I don't know the answer, then I'll find out for you. I don't know everything. (laughs) Also, Wayne Stiles just started his reading through the Bible in a year also. So you can go on his website, waynestiles.com. You can read along with him, too. He also has the videos to go with it that correspond with the passages. So that was really fun and exciting. 
especially if you can't travel to the Holy Lands, the lands of the Bible. So I do have a great podcast in store for you today, as always. Remember when I told you about our contest to win a book from any of our guests? Well, we have Bridget CV on the show today, and she has been a great supporter of the show. She's always liking and commenting in my posts, and she won the prize for, for the book. She gets to choose any book from any of the guests that were on the show this year, and she has a choice between the musicians as well. So she is on the show. She is a single mom. She was raised in the Baptist church. She has a daughter, and she's trying to earn a criminal justice degree. She likes to hike and travel and write books. She's going to tell us about her abusive relationship for nearly eight years. And unfortunately, the threat of abuse still continues even after she has divorced him. So she is currently studying to be a victim advocate. So I've been looking forward to her coming on the show for a couple weeks now. And she's got a wonderful story, very powerful story. So I hope you enjoy my conversation here with Bridget. And here she is. All right. Please welcome Bridget to the show. Thanks for coming on today and telling your story. Thank you for having me. I appreciate the opportunity. Yeah, I was uh, mentioning that you were a, a great supporter of the podcast, a regular listener, and that you were the winner of the book giveaway. And so that's excited. I'm glad to have you today. Yeah. How was your Christmas this year? It was good. It was it was uh, pretty quiet. My daughter was, um, my ex-husband and I split custody. Um, so she was with her dad on Christmas day and I had her for Christmas Eve. So we had a nice day at home, just spend it together, watch movies and drink hot chocolate and just had a really good time. And then Christmas day was just me, but it was still good. It was just quiet, you know, nothing wrong with that. How was yours? Mine was better than usual. As you probably know, my brother died last year around this time. And so. I went and got these necklaces, matching necklaces for my, my stepmom and my stepsister and their, their hearts that say, a piece of my heart is in heaven. And then it has my brother's name on it. And then it has his birthstone and a cross and a little angel's wing. So I was like, I hope they like them. I hope they like the necklaces. And oh my goodness, everybody that was at dinner was just bonkers over these necklaces where did you get them and and they were really touched by it so I was happy for that Um, yeah we did our binge watching of our Christmas shows and we had my mom over for dinner Christmas Eve and had some roast and yeah so good good Christmas better than it was last year (laughs) yeah I bet I know that you like the the chosen Yes. How was that Christmas special? Oh, goodness. I love music, too. Music is a serious passion of mine. 
And so I didn't expect it to be mostly music through the first part of it. I just didn't know that that was what they were going to do. And so I was just so giddy the whole time. My daughter thought I was crazy. (laughs) I loved it. I just loved it. And so I have my new favorite song now, the gratitude. So I throw up my hands and praise you again and again. Oh, so, so, and then of course I bawled like a baby the whole time. So that was fun. Oh, I haven't seen that the Christmas special yet. I've watched the first couple episodes of The Chosen. My husband has watched a few too. Um, I haven't decided if I like the, they take a lot of liberties with the storyline. Yeah. Trying to decide if I like that or not. But a lot of people are big fans of that. Yeah. The Chosen, so. Yeah, I mean, I kind of was in the same boat. And so it took me a long time to even start watching it because I really just didn't think I was going to like it. But I don't know. I just, I love it. There hasn't been an episode yet that I haven't cried through, so. We might have to give it another chance then, (laughs) especially for the Christmas special. If it has music, I love music too. Yes. (laughs) Stuff. Good stuff. And you like to travel and to hike. Where are your favorite places? Oh, man. Um, my the favorite state that I've ever been to was Montana. It was Montana. Oh my goodness. It was just amazingly beautiful. Um, so we did a lot of hiking there. Unfortunately, we had planned it out to go in June thinking, you know, I'm, I mean, I live in Florida, so June (laughs) is pretty warm, right? Well, it's not warm in Montana in June. Mm -mm. So had all these hikes planned but we couldn't do them because we didn't have snow gear (laughs) so we hadn't prepared for that but uh it was still just so beautiful um and then I also love Arizona I've been to Arizona a couple times and hiked the Grand Canyon so that's where I'm at yeah that's what I that's what I thought I remember so I love 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 the Grand Canyon I have a friend that lives in Phoenix so I've gone out to see him a couple times so yeah you have to come and visit me if you ever come back. I might just do that. That'd be good. I like to hike too. We'll go go on a hike together. Yes. <laughs> have you been to Canyon Lake? Oh yeah, many times. I, I love Canyon Lake. It's one of my faves. So and yeah. There's so much to see here. Yeah. Even in a lifetime. Can't yeah. see it all. So we're going to jump into your story. I want to start at the beginning in your childhood just to set the stage here. So can you give us a picture of what your childhood was like? Sure. Um, well, I, I grew up in an independent fundamental Baptist church. Um, you know, we were there every service. We did all the extra stuff like we were supposed to. Perfect Christian family from the outside looking in. But from the inside, looking out, it was a little different. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a lot of anger. Oh, so much anger in that house. Um, and then there, was, there were a lot of abusive situations that were happening. Um, I had a, a sexually abusive situation that started when I was six. And that lasted about two years with a man that went to the church. Um, and so that was pretty awful. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was very regular thing. And so then that led into being abused by my older brother. Um, that lasted it just kind of sporadically throughout my entire 
childhood until I was about 14 or 15. Um, then at one point we were um, just kind of given away to foster care, no real explanation of why, I still don't know why. Um, so we were in and out of foster care throughout the last couple years of my teenage years. Um, so my childhood was kind of a mess. Um, mm -hmm. A lot of abuse, a lot of anger. I was a very, very quiet person. Um, I mean, I didn't, I, I couldn't speak to anybody about anything. I was very shut down. Um, but at the church, that's kind of where I thrived. I still didn't really talk to people, but I did everything. Like I was involved in the children's choir and I did all the programs and the plays and everything that I could possibly do. I did it. Um, I was in an, an IFB school that was not connected to the church. And so, you know, I was doing everything that I was supposed to there. I was always on the principal's list. I was just, you know, mm -hmm. the best kid that I could possibly be. Um, and I mean, that there, there's a lot of layers to that too, but I, I really felt like I had to be the best that I could be because that's the only way I was going to get loved, if that makes any sense. Right. Because um, I just, if I made any mistakes, it was always just this massive blow up at home. So um, that led me to just literally doing everything that I was told to do. Anything I was told to do, I did it. So um, yeah, childhood was a mess, but. I made it through. So here we are. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like you enjoyed going to church though, right? I did. Yeah, I loved it. That was, um, I don't know, because people were supposed to be happy at church, right? So there were a mm -hmm. lot of people that um, they were just happy. We didn't talk about bad stuff. And I thought everybody else's lives were perfect and beautiful. And so I really just liked being around those people. I loved those people. So while I didn't, you know, I didn't, I never did have anybody that I felt like I could talk to about my stuff. It was just, it was nice to be around people that I felt like they had it all figured out. And so I just tried to be like they were, you know what I mean? Exactly. So I loved it. Yeah. Loved it. What was your relationship with God like at the time? Well, um, it was pretty backwards to what it should have been. Um, I saw God as this really angry person that was just waiting over me, wait, waiting for me to mess up so he could beat me over the head and punish me. And any bad thing that happened, I felt like it was God punishing me for some sin I hadn't confessed. And mm -hmm. so, I mean, everything, every bad thing that ever happened, that's what I believed. What It was just God punishing me because I hadn't confessed all my sins. So then I would spend literally hours in prayer just literally throwing out anything that I could think of that was possibly a sin so that these no. bad things would stop happening so I just had a I mean but that's how my dad was that's how my biological father was that's how the pastor of the church was anything you did wrong you got verbally berated for it so that's how I saw God mm. so yeah it's very backwards you know, that is so common. I hear that a lot. A lot of the people's stories that come on the show and in my Men in the Soul groups and even just on Twitter, that God is this angry being up there ready to, you know, smash you with his fist or hit you with a bolt of lightning or something. 
Now, when you were 17, you suffered a horrible event that you were blamed for and shamed for. Um, so could you share with the audience uh, what you're comfortable with that happened during that time? Um, well, I had graduated from high school a year early, um, and so I was working for a scholarship. I was volunteering and uh, working towards a scholarship so that I could pay my own college. Um, and so I was volunteering at this place, and there was a guy there that I thought we were friends. You know, he had taken an interest in me, and but he was married, so I felt safe, you know, because he was he was a married man. And so there wasn't anything weird, I thought, going mm. in. And so there was a time when um, he happened to live in the same town of the college that I was going to. And so he just showed up at the college one day. And uh, we chit chatted. He said he was there to talk to the coach because his daughter went to college there. And then he said, hey, you know, come back to the house. I'll introduce you to my wife. And I, I just, I was so naive. I just didn't even think anything about it. And so I did, I followed him back to his house, but his wife was not home. And so he assaulted me there. Mm. And it just, of all the things that had happened throughout my childhood, that one, for some reason, just kind of snapped something in me. Um, and so I, I just broke down and I started failing my classes and I, but I didn't have anywhere to go to. I mean, I, I was currently at that point, I was living with my biological parents. It was kind of between times of, of going back and forth to the children's home. And so I just didn't know where to go. Um, so it took a couple of months and I, I, I did, I ended up failing a couple classes and finally I realized I couldn't keep going the way I was going. Um, because it was putting me in a really dark place. And so I went to, you know how churches will have different churches that they affiliate with mm -hmm. things with, and they you know go to the conferences with and whatever. Well, there was this one that was several hours away and um, I'd always really liked the youth pastors there. And so I didn't feel comfortable telling somebody that I was going to see all the time. So I didn't want to tell my youth pastor or my pastor because I didn't want to tell them this. I was very ashamed of what had happened, you know, so I didn't want to tell them and then have to see them three times a week. Um, so I went to the youth pastor several hours away, told them what happened. And um, they were very supportive. They were really encouraging. But this is where things kind of took a downward turn if they could get any further down where than where I was already at but they called my pastor and I had a very strange um I don't know that you'd even call it a relationship but I'd had a very strange relationship with my pastor he I had heard stories quite a few times throughout my teenage years about other girls in the church having accused somebody of something or whatever and it was always their fault always um so whatever we would hear from the pastor it was so and so was having an affair you know 14 year old having an affair with a grown-up what yeah so it just 
it didn't seem he didn't feel like a safe person to tell this massive secret to um not to mention the fact that i mean i grew up in an abusive home so i don't remember a time in my life when i didn't have bruises on my body Mm -hmm. somewhere um i never told anybody what was happening but people saw things people saw bruises you know you can't always wear a long sleeve turtleneck in the middle of summer to cover bruises on your wrists so nobody said anything not to me and not to anybody that mattered um there was one point when i was 14 and i was playing softball at the school that i was going to and i don't even remember what had happened but my brother had left this massive bruise down my arm it went from the top of my shoulder and kind of wrapped around to the back of my elbow and so with my softball shirt on you could see the bottom part of the bruise it just didn't cover it all the way and so my coach came up to me and said hey you know what happened to your arm well you know i'm 14 years old now i've had bruises my entire life practically mm. and just come straight out and ask me what happened so I didn't know what to say and so on the fly I just said I got hit by softball it's no big deal it doesn't even hurt and he asked me to roll up my sleeve so he could see it and so I did because he was my coach my authority mm-hmm. figure he said rolled up the sleeve and he saw it and he didn't say anything else to me he let me go back and practice but he told the pastor of his church who then called the pastor of my church, who then called my dad. And I got the worst. I can't even call it a spanking. It was all on my backside, but I was literally a solid bruise from the middle of my back to the back of my knees by the time my dad was done beating me, basically, Mm. Um, because I lied, quote unquote, and claimed abuse even though I never said I was being abused, though I was being abused. I never said I was being abused. But that was what my pastor told my dad. And so my dad, you know, laid into me saying I was trying to get attention and all this wonderful, encouraging stuff. So, um, yeah, I just kind of set out path of you don't talk about this stuff where you're at. You don't tell people what's going on in your life because nobody's going to protect you. And so well, that was yeah, hours away. All these people that you confided in, why didn't they call the police? I mean, they just blabbed it to your pastor. It always ended up with your pastor and then your parents and made it a whole lot worse. Oh, yeah. I don't understand that. I don't either. Um, they should have. I mean, people should have called the police years 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 before what happened when i was 17 um because i know that people at my church saw me with bruises nobody but nobody said anything but if they did they had to tell the pastor because that was the chain of command in the church you don't tell people outside the church you tell the pastor and the pastor deals with it pastor feels like the police need to know that he can call them that was just kind of the way that it worked in the church that i was in. but he had never called the police on anybody has he no, I doubt it. Um, so any, anyways, when the youth pastor called my pastor, my pastor then called me and just laid into me 
it was 7.30 in the morning. I had been working an overnight job. And so I was still asleep. And so I get woken up in the morning by this guy yelling and screaming in my ear. Um, and he told me that either I wanted what had happened or I was lying and making it up. And it was just, it was a mess. And so that, that, what had already happened broke me, but that really broke me. Oh, yeah. Because then from that point forward, I, I mean, I had been the bus captain. I'd played the piano for the children's choir. I was in the adult choir. I was very active in the youth group. I did soul winning. Like I, I checked off all these boxes and did everything I was supposed to do. And then all of a sudden I was not allowed to do those things anymore. I was literally pulled from everything that I was doing at the church. I wasn't allowed to do anything. I was only allowed to come in and sit down and listen to the pastor and leave. So it just, it really skewed my idea of church in general. Yeah. Because then I, it took about a year for me to finally leave. But um, I, so I was there for a year, but then people started not talking to me anymore. And I heard a lot of gossip going on about me, but of course I didn't have the opportunity to correct any of it because nobody cared. But then when I finally did leave, I heard all kinds of great things that I was doing. That's news to me. I didn't know I was doing that, but all right. And this was all coming from the pastor, from the pulpit. This guy was saying that I was dealing drugs, that I was in and out of jail, that I was oh pregnant, living with somebody. I'm like, I'm not doing any of those things, but okay. come on. It was, yeah, it was pretty bad. So um, just to layer on different things with pastors, I went to a pastor friend of mine. I had grown up with his kids. I'd known him for my whole life, practically. And so he pastored in the town over. And so I went to him and his wife and I didn't tell him everything, but I told him a little bit like, you know, I, I really need help. Like, I need somebody to help me. And they said, well, you have to talk to your pastor about this. I'm like, well, and so I told them why that wasn't going to happen. And mm-hmm. they basically told, they actually straight up told me that um, they weren't going to go against such a great man of God. And I was asked to leave that church and not come back. So cemented the idea that you can't talk to pastors either. (laughs) They're not safe people. And so I went through a few more months of just kind of going with the flow and then just decided I had to get it, get out of Dodge. I had to leave. And that's when I moved to Florida. I had everything that I owned in the back of a pickup truck and $900 in my pocket. I was out. And so I moved to Florida and yeah, so that's, that's the long version of what happened when I was 17 and everything oh, yeah. that up after that. That's a lot. I'm so sorry you went through all that. I couldn't help but remember that your story is very similar to Sandy Phillips Kirkham, who was on the show. She went through the same process of being molested by a youth pastor. And then she was, you know, called the Jezebel and the whore and, all these other horrible names and and she was asked to leave the church that she loved and nobody nobody stuck up for her it's more common than we think and the church leaders they don't have any accountability i myself had to leave 
my church denomination when I left my abuser because um, they enabled all the abuse. I wasn't going to stay there. And so I had to find a completely different environment. So you moved to Florida at this point, And did you give up on God at that time? Not at that time. <laughs> I did a few years later, but um, I just found another independent fundamental Baptist church. It was um, a different version of the same kind of thing. Um, you know, they had different song styles and different preaching styles. And so in my mind, that meant it was a totally different environment. But did they um, wear pants? Some of them did, actually. You were not allowed to do it in the church, but you weren't totally shunned if you did it outside of the church. Um, yeah, so, yeah. And that's where I got married um, to my daughter's dad my now ex-husband yeah how did you guys meet i had come down to florida for a vacation i kind of gave myself a vacation after i graduated um after i turned 18 and uh you know it was like my happy high school graduation getaway kind of thing and so i just happened to meet him that he was an acquaintance or he was the grand son of an acquaintance of mine down there and so we were having dinner and they invited him and the rest is history. So that's how we met. And that it was, it honestly it was just a mess from the very beginning. It wasn't physically abusive until we got married. Um, but there were so many red flags. And I just wish that I knew that men were supposed to be nice to women. I just didn't know that. I'd never experienced that. So I didn't know that, you know, screaming and throwing things and berating you and calling you names and telling you you're ugly and fat. And I just didn't know that that was not normal in a relationship. So looking back now, it was just, it was a mess from the very beginning. But I mean, I was 18 when we met and started dating. I was just dumb. I was completely ignorant to the red flags that I should have seen. I don't Jordan. think you were dumb. I just think that's all you've ever known is men being cruel to you. Yeah, it is. But he was just nice enough when he wasn't mad that it made it okay. Like he always apologized. And so, and he never hit me. He never physically hit me because I had made a promise to myself that I was not going to be in a relationship with somebody that was going to hit me. I just didn't want mm -hmm. that. I mean, who does, but I like, I had made a commitment to myself, but all of the other abuse was there, but I didn't know that it was all linked. I mean, there was the psychological abuse. Like literally he would tell me I had, I had this friend who was gorgeous. I mean, skinny, gorgeous. And so he would always tell me he wanted me to look like her. And that's when he would find me the most attractive is if I dress like her, wore shoes like her. <laughs> so why don't you just go marry her? I, I wish I had said that. Like, why are you dating me if you want somebody who looks like her? Like, go look like, go date her. But so there was just a lot of that. But it was, it just tore me down as if there were, I didn't think I could get any lower than I was already, but apparently I could. So um, yeah, it was, it was rough from the very beginning. But the abuse did not start, the physical abuse did not start until we got married. Um, 
I, it was either four or five days in to the marriage. We were on our honeymoon and we had a disagreement about where to go for breakfast. Mm. He wanted IHOP and I wanted a local place. We were out of town. I, you know, I said, why don't we go to this place that we don't have that where we live. Mm-hmm. Threw his sunglasses at my face and gave me a black eye. Literally gave me a black eye with how hard he threw his sunglasses at my face. Broke his sunglasses. Threw his cell phone against the windshield and broke his cell phone. It was just, it was shocking. <laughs> um, That's crazy. So, and then we we went to IHOP and had breakfast like nothing just happened. Um, so, and, but at that point, it's like, okay, he just, he hurt me. He didn't punch me, but he hurt me. But I literally just married the guy. I can't leave now. Like, we just got married. And that's just kind of how it went. And it just so quickly, it went downhill. Um, he moved into the apartment that I was living in. And um, for a while, we didn't have upstairs neighbors. And then we had upstairs neighbors that were moving in. And so I was excited. I mean, I'd lived in an, in an apartment for several years at this point. So I'm used to having neighbors. He had never lived in one. So he was mad that there was going to be somebody living above us. Well, unless you want to pay the rent for that apartment too, somebody else is probably going to move in. Um, so I wanted to help them carry some stuff up the stairs. And he told me not to, but I mean, we'd only been married for maybe two months then at that point. And so I was still kind of a little bit of my own person. And so I, I said, well, you know, I want to help them. So I'm going to help them move. I'm going to help them move in. And so I went out and offered to help him carry some stuff up the stairs. And so then my ex-husband came out and he was helping me carry stuff up the stairs. And while we were at the top of the stairs, he shoved me down the stairs. Oh, my word. Uh, and I broke my foot and a couple of ribs in that interaction. Um, Nobody said point. anything in well, pushing you down the stairs? I was not allowed to tell people, of course, that he pushed me down the stairs. I, uh, unfortunately for me, I'm accident prone anyway. Um, so he would make me, <laughs> he literally made me post it on Facebook even. Um, he would make me make up a story, very detailed. He told me to tell them that I was carrying a box of books and the, the bottom started falling out. And so the books were falling out and I was trying to catch the books and I fell down the stairs. Um, so that was the story that I had to stick with. And nobody questioned it. I get I was accident prone. I didn't get hurt like that all the time, but I was accident prone. So nobody was super shocked at the idea of me falling down the stairs. But but then he would make fun of me for it. And it was just it was a really just weird. Um, it was a weird thing to work through. Like this guy, he knows he pushed me down the stairs. But he's telling his brothers and his buddies that I fell and he's sitting there making fun of me for being clumsy. It's like, how do you do that to somebody that you, I, I just, I didn't, I couldn't really comprehend that, what was happening. Narcissist, that's why. <laughs> so, I mean, within the first six months of our marriage, um, there were so many several broken bones he broke my wrist one time we were just playing around we had had an argument but I don't remember what it was about and then I was trying to lighten the mood and so I was tickling him and he literally grabbed my wrist and snapped it and of course I had to 
make up a story for that too. Uh, I think that one was I fell I fell out of the car in the public's parking lot or something. Like it had to be very specific the stories that I had to tell, because um, he didn't want anybody make, having questions about it. So it was just it was a mess. And so every time we would have an an argument, he would hit me, or it started where he would pull out his gun and just lay it on the table when he would be when he was mad. Yeah, that's scary. Never, never pointed it at me but doesn't matter i knew what that meant (laughs) yeah so literally just beat me into submission and beat me to the point that i just stopped disagreeing with him and then we got pregnant which i wanted to get pregnant i wanted a baby but i hadn't really thought through what i was going to be bringing a baby into Mm -hmm. um so when I think we were, I was two or three months pregnant and he pushed me and I hit my face on the wall and had a big old goose egg on my forehead. And um, at that point, I was like, listen, I'm carrying a child. I'm not doing this. If you hit me again, I'm gone. I'm done. And I, I was very well aware that I may have lost my life telling him that. But at that point, it just like something clicked inside me where I realized I have to protect my kid exactly and so I became kind of a mama bear and I was very very straight up with him if you hit me one more time we're gone you'll never find us we're we're, I'm out I think we're going to continue Bridget's story next week I don't want to rush her on some of the most important parts of her story, how she got out, and how she took charge of her new life for her and her daughter. So I welcome you back next week. Be sure to share these episodes with someone that you care about, that they can be inspired and helped by these stories. God bless you, and see you next week. Thank you for listening to the Wounds of the Faithful podcast. If this episode has been helpful to you, please hit the subscribe button and tell a friend. You can connect with us at dswministries.org, where you'll find our blog along with our Facebook, Twitter, and our YouTube channel links. Hope to see you next week.